0: Your first trip together, do you remember that and and where did you guys go and and you know talk about that a little bit and 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 did you enjoy that experience
1: yeah I'll, uh, our first trip together was uh May of two thousand eleven um Jen had traveled around the world a couple of times um or been to a few countries and and I had not i didn't I didn't have a password at the time, so that was one of the things that she was pretty adamant about me getting one and then let's go see the world and kind of kind of set the wheels in motion and we went to scotland uh we did scotland and, and ireland uh and northern ireland in that trip scotland was the first country uh that i got to experience and um i mean it, it made us fall in love with the country we we loved it so much we went and got married there the next year
0: wow what was so great about scotland
1: uh you know we just love the culture love the people we spent most of our time in the Highlands and. Um, we just kind of fell in love with it and what, what it really we just don't have a whole lot of uh intermediate family between the two of us so um i actually had proposed to her on the when we were in ireland on the second half of that trip so i'd been planning to propose to her i think we had the trip booked for like nine or ten months and so i was like all right she and i've been dating for a couple of years she's the one i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna ask her to marry me and my family has a uh has a um a pretty deep history in a in a place called Buncrana um um of Ireland and so we have a family castle out there and it was like the the idea was to be by the family castle and propose to her there and um when we were in Scotland it was like everywhere I looked I was like should it be here should I, should I even wait do I need to wait and uh, and I did wait and I uh, ended up asking her to marry me on the on the in Ireland but we just uh, again loved the uh loved being in Scotland decided to you know what Let's go have a small ceremony and go have an outdoor wedding in the Highlands, and we did. May of uh, twenty twelve.
0: Jen, did you see that coming? Was it something that you knew yeah. was going to happen? <laughs> no,
1: not at all.
2: Not not at all. And um, I actually kind of thought it was an asshole move because <laughs> um, you know when somebody immediately when somebody gets down on their knee, like everybody immediately starts cheering and clapping, like they assume you're going to say yes and it really kind of puts you on the spot and you kind of have to say yes, otherwise everybody's like, that girl's a bitch, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I did not even have to think about it. Like I have to say yes, cause I'm on the spot. I mean, obviously, um, you know, afterwards, I think I went and got an Irish coffee, which is like half whiskey. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> I need a drink. Um, you know, I, it just needed some time to marinate, but I was like, how dare you put me on the spot? Like, what an asshole.
0: <laughs> was there a lot of people there? <laughs>
2: Maybe you're 20 or 30, but, oh, you know, I like, everybody immediately, like, starts clapping. And, I took like, her off, the, took and, her off like, to the
1: side, though. Like, I took her away from everybody. Like, nobody knew that I was going to be doing it. I tried to do it on the cool, but um, as soon as I got down on the knee, all of a sudden you could hear people cheering true, and clapping. I was I don't like, motherfuckers,
0: y'all weren't supposed to see this. But, yeah,
1: good times.
2: <laughs> Jen, when
0: you, when you found out that... Douglas didn't have a passport and you've already been traveling for a while. Was it kind of weird to you? Cause it seems like, I heard some statistic about Americans that only like a certain, a low percentage of Americans have passports actually.
1: Yeah. That's, that's actually, that's a crazy. Yeah. I was, definitely,
2: um, I was definitely like, look, we gotta, you gotta get a passport. We gotta go. Um, you know, and to be honest, I hadn't been traveling very long. I had only, I'd been to like three or four countries by this point. Um, but, you know, it was it was a really amazing experience. Like I grew up um, pretty poor, so we didn't get to travel or take family vacations. And so as soon as I finished college, um, you know, I started traveling and getting to taste that. So I really enjoyed it. Um, so as soon as we got together, I was like, look, you got to do something about this.
1: We got to go. <laughs> yeah. The the couple of countries that she had been to previously, though, was Fiji twice and Kenya.
0: <laughs> and it was okay. and and
1: St. Kitts. And it's like, wow, you like. You didn't just go to Mexico and go to Cozumel, like you you went you went and did some really awesome stuff, and like all the photos that she showed me. But I I wanted to travel. I grew up really uh, with not a lot of money either, not a lot of wealth, and so traveling throughout the states, we did a lot uh, as a kid, but uh, never anything outside of uh, just visiting like uh, border towns in Mexico when you didn't need a passport. And um, and so, yeah, it's, I mean it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. In fact, I'm I've got less than a year. Um, left I, before I have to renew my passport. So the 10 years is, is, is coming up. And 20, I think we're at 21 countries now total. And
0: it must allow you guys to bond more, right? The way you guys kind of grew up, you know, it seems like that's something that allows you guys to be closer and, and kind of have more of an interest in traveling because of that, you know, not really traveling when you're young outside of the country, I guess. Yeah. Um.
1: I, I mean, the fact that we both grew up, in, in, the manner that we did, you know, um, I think it has helped strengthen that bond and, um, and then, yeah. And all the traveling we do, because it, it turned into, now we, we climb mountains across the world. And so that, that's a very, that's a very bonding experience. It's a lot of time to just be there and think, and it's just, she and I, sometimes we'll, we we'll, depend on what mountain range we're in. We may have a guide, so it could be, you know, three of us, but typically it's just Jen and I and, and our camping gear and trekking poles and, um, yeah, so so the the bonding is is definitely a part of at least our type of traveling. Yeah, I, to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you guys? Are you guys? Uh, you guys say you guys have your camping gear, your hiking. You ever thought about um, the summit summit? So I was talking to Ruben Payon Jr. He's the strength and conditioning coach for like Zhang Weili and a lot of the Chinese fighters in the UFC. And he's he's done all seven. And uh, and I, yeah, and I talked to he's yeah, he's like in that exclusive club. Have you guys ever thought about that?
2: I, I have.
1: We've, we've talked about it. We have talked about the seven summits. She works with a with a physician that he's done. How many has he done? Just did his third? Uh, Like he's done three or four. Three or four of them. in it it has been one of those things. But then again, when it comes down to like Everest, I don't want to do it.
2: But but to be honest, mountaineering is like it's not a cheap hobby. Um, like these excursions to go climb mountains are pretty expensive and you have to do it pretty regularly. It's not like there's, you know, mountains that we can go just climb up on the weekend in Texas. Um, yeah. You know, it takes a lot of practice, you know, to get good at it. And so. I'm not sure if it's something that will ever be experienced enough to attempt something like Everest. Um, but it would it would be cool. Um, not to mention that, you know, it's like a hundred grand an attempt or something just to try Everest. And so, yeah. you know, that's that's not really just pocket change. Um, so mountaineering is definitely kind of a rich man's hobby, um, for sure.
0: Oh, definitely. I didn't even know that it cost that much. That's that's pretty insane. That's like a million dollars to f- to climb all the mountains, basically.
2: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. that's just like an attempt. That's not even guaranteed that you summit. And you, I mean, it's it's like a two three month process because you have to go out there and spend so much time acclimating at each different um, camp. It's it's kind of a very very um, you know complex thing. And like all of those excursions, you know, you want to have good guides. And so when you when you start paying for these guide services, um, it starts getting pretty pricey. And a lot of them are two and three week long excursions because um, there's a very narrow window to make summit, and so you, sometimes you're just out there waiting on the weather conditions to be right before you start your summit attempt. So um, it's kind of a pretty involved process.
0: What, so which mountains have you climbed so far? So
1: several. We uh, we've, we've spent we've spent a lot of time in the Andes in Peru. Ecuador, and now Bolivia. Bolivia was the most recent trip. And um, and then we did the highest point in the UK, which was uh, uh, ben, Nevis. ben Nevis in Scotland. And we've gone through the Swiss, Italian, and French Alps. Um, we did. What else? Um, we did the Tongariro Alpine Crossing in New
2: Zealand.
1: The Tongariro Alpine Crossing in New Zealand. Yep, that was a, a really beautiful one i think that's it as far as our mountain ranges go um you, we've been been a lot of places not everybody has these magnificent mountain mountain areas but um yes specifically most of our time climbing has been in uh, in the andes
0: so when you guys go up there you guys are not like renting out airbnbs you guys are are literally with the tent camping not luxurious not not the not those rumors that you hear about bear grills flying out in a helicopter right
1: (laughs) no no we're 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 making it as really as cheap as possible not in the sense of like like getting the cheapest guide and, and things like that but we like to we like to kind of be in the uh in the uncomfortable spots um
2: Yeah, and I mean, we just like people kind of always assume that you have to have a ton of money to travel, but you can really get it done, um, you know, fairly affordably. Um, You know, if you just do a little research, and you know, we're okay being a little bit uncomfortable. We're okay roughing it a little bit. Um, So, you know, like when we went to Norway, um, I think we used credit card points for our flights, and then we packed all our own gear. And I mean, it sucked because we were out in the wilderness for. multiple days and so we had to carry all our own food and water and so everybody's walking around with day packs and we have these like 40 pound packs so I mean that makes it a little bit harder but um we were pretty much self-sufficient for that whole week and um you know just carried all our own gear and so you know I think maybe we spent 250 300 on like uh dehydrated meals that we carried and you know that's really all our cost for the week was just those dehydrated meals that we had to pay for and so then we're just hiking every day and um, yeah, I mean, it's fairly cheap, you know, we're spending, you know, $20, $30 a day technically, you know, for our mills because they were already pre-purchased.
1: Yeah. And to add, to add to the mountain ranges we've done, I can't believe I didn't even mention, uh, going through Iceland and, uh, and Norway. Norway, which were some of my, my, my favorite landscape, favorite times, favorite place, mountains that I've climbed across the world are, are in those two countries specifically. I don't, I don't know how I missed those. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what what is the 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 craziest moments of your hiking trips or even just your vacations and you know your travels like you must have ran into some weird people throughout those trips in those mountains yeah you know usually when we go when we pick a
1: place we try to pick when it's a uh, shoulder season um instead of like a, the uh, the higher season so a lot of times when we're out in the wilderness, we may not come across many people at all, which is great. But if one of our campsites happens to be, you know, a little bit more of a popular campsite, um, there are times when we when we've we've interacted with other people. But by the time we get to camp, by the time we set up our tent, we make dinner after trekking for you know eight hours and maybe ten hours that day. It's it's just it's exhausting. And it's like, we don't have any energy other than maybe have a little bit of wine and, and go to sleep and crack it on. we right back out there. Um, we've, I mean, there definitely been some, Oh shit moments.
2: Oh, you know, we were, um, we decided to, to do a trek called like or anyway, um, in Iceland. And so the start of a trek is at like a really popular waterfall. So we camped out there and then, we decided to get up early, pack up and just hit the trail. Um, And we didn't, there wasn't anybody at like the warden hut to check in with. And so we didn't. Um, But that's kind of a big thing that you always check with them and check the weather. Um, But like I said, we got up so early, nobody was there yet. So we just hit the trail. And um, maybe a couple hours in, um, you know, we make it out to like a glacier and it starts snowing, like visibility is like, just a couple of feet, the winds start picking up like super, super high. Um
1: yeah, we haven't we haven't having gusts of like 60 miles an hour. And uh and we noticed there was nobody else out there on these mountains. We're like this is supposed to be a really popular trail. Yeah, what's going on here? And then we get to like you know this really exposed ridge
2: where there's just like chains that you hang on to walk around. And then plus we have plus we have our packs that are like 35 pounds. Um, with our tent and all our stuff in it. And then, you know, you have these crazy gusts, um, just like, like a blue Doug, like Doug's a big person, you know what I mean? But it was enough to like blow him completely off of his feet a couple of times.
1: Yep.
2: Um, Anyways, we end up trekking like 18 miles that day and we finally make it to our camp and there's like signs posted everywhere. Like, please be advised.
1: No trekking. Do down. not trek on this path. I mean, the
2: weather's supposed to be so bad. You know, we advise everybody to cancel their trekking plans. If you're going to be on this trail, and we we're like, and so we sure. yeah, we, so we
1: we check in with the warden because we're getting our our spot to make camp, and he, he he slides over that piece of paper to make sure that we were aware of it, and we're like, oh, we we just came off that pass. We've been trekking that all day, and it well, it made sense to us at that time on why um, <laughs> why, no why nobody, nobody was, was out there. But when we told him that we had been there, his eyes got like really big, and he's like, "You guys are lucky to be alive." And uh, and even like I said, a couple of oh shit moments. That that was on that trek. The, there's a there's a, a a photo that Jim took of me as we're going across uh, one of the glaciers, and uh, it's just it's it's gray. It's just gray from the the sun, uh, from the uh, the clouds, the snow. And you just see me with my my orange backpack cover kind of illuminated in there. It's a, it's a really cool picture. But that was a moment. Where it was like we can't get too far away from each other because we may lose each other. But we had like we had our GPS. We knew where on the map we should go. And on that that part of the track, like there were there were pretty large, you know, maybe like anywhere between three meters and four meters tall of like like poles that had been put into the ground that had been painted i forgot what color maybe a yellow or a blue so even though visibility was really bad like you could see where that next pole was because they were every right, 20, look 20 like or that. 30 meters yeah you need to look what direction to look in yeah good times
0: <laughs> yeah that is some good times you know <laughs> and uh any like uh animal encounters in those mountains or is it just so the the conditions are so harsh there is no animals out there
1: you know not not too many like crazy stories as far as that goes we've seen some uh, like we saw a herd of reindeer one morning after after uh, packing our stuff up and starting uh uh, the day's trek and that was in norway and then um in bolivia we saw um what was the name of that like kind of like a ram or
2: we saw cunha, guanaco um, we haven't really seen any predators
1: no predators yeah um
2: yeah. I, the places we've been i don't think in the at the altitude where we are there's a ton of predators um but we really haven't camped anywhere where they had bears or anything like that mountain lions so yeah
1: Nothing. that is that is one thing when when researching the area um that is one thing that we've got to look for um is what kind of predators are out there and so like norway um, wolves used to be a an issue especially in this this part of the part of Norway called Jotunheim and National Park um, but wolves have receded from that area so much like they're far and few between um, but yeah that is something we definitely have to look into
0: what about villages or just you know locals did you did you guys get in did you guys get in you know in contact with like villages like say like you're hiking you know not like uh, at the top but you know on your way up do you guys run into small little pockets of people out there
2: um i okay, sure, would say yeah. more so probably in the andes but not so much really like in new zealand or in the alps or anything like that um
1: yeah cuz those like a lot of the places we go are are national parks and so you don't have a lot of people living in the in those areas but like like Jen said, with the with the Andes, um, because there is a, a native people still all throughout there. Um, yeah, you you we, you come across small communities or little houses with uh, you know a small family in it or even a large family, and um, it, and we've never had any like poor interactions or anything like that. Like we've been offered uh, uh, sp- special beer that they that they do out there. I've we were in Jordan one time and we came across some Bedouin women. Who, um, who we had morning tea with and sat down with them and had a little bit of conversation. Like uh, the Bedouin woman specifically asked if I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. And I was like, well, how did you know about them? And apparently she'd come across a traveler who had a Green Bay Packers hat and had given her the, the hat. So um, all the interactions with people, yeah, it's it's occasional. Um, and it's all it's always been pleasant. It's always been one of those like, all right, Let's, uh, let's let's talk with this this person and see what kind of common common commonalities that we have together.
0: Wow. The, the, yeah, the Green Bay Packers in, in Jordan, that's, yeah, that's yeah. just odd, right? Yeah, I came
1: close. When, when
2: I was in I was like, Kenya, Whoa. I came across a kid that had um, a Dallas Cowboy shirt. And I guess um, I had been told that like a lot of times whenever there's a big like championship game or whatever, you know, they print shirts for both teams and then the team that doesn't win they end up donating a lot of those things to like third world countries. And so, um, chances are, you know, it may have been a shirt or something that was donated, but I just remember coming across a kid and he was wearing a Dallas Cowboys shirt. And I was like, and, and it was in a, a very rural area, but it, it wasn't like in a big city. So I was like, I don't know how this kid got this shirt.
0: Kenya, were you out there in the bush? Like what, like, what was the, what were you looking for when you were traveling there?
2: Um, I went with a church, actually, and um, it was a mission trip and we worked with like AIDS orphans for a week um, that they were it it was like during their school break. And so a lot of them didn't have anything to do during the day. Um, And a lot of them, the government subsidized for their for them to live with extended family, even though it's not necessarily a good situation. Like, you know, the extended family can't necessarily afford them. They don't really have the room. Um, They may not have the time to dedicate to them, but their parents have passed away from the AIDS virus and some of them themselves are HIV positive. Um, and so, um, during that school break, we just kind of come in and we set up like, um, kind of like a camp for them to spend the week at, um, just to kind of get away from their living situation while they're not in school. And so uh, we did that for like a week. And then our last two or three days there, we went, uh, we flew down to the Maasai Mara and went on safari, um, a couple of times. And so, Got to see um, the great migration of the wildebeest, which is, like, the last great migration of land mammals. Um, I mean, it's, like, just like the Lion King. It's pretty crazy. Like, there's millions of wildebeest, like, everywhere. And uh, it's kind of funny how um, accurate the Lion King is. Um, You know, the... the
1: She saw baboons holding baby lions (laughs) over rock formations. (laughs) (laughs) Like...
2: All of like all of the names, like Simba is actually Swahili for lion, Rafiki is Swahili for friend, like all of their names are like Swahili words. Um, you know, I have a picture of the horizon and the sunset, um, with an acacia tree and it's like identical to the scene in the movie. Like it looks it's it's pretty funny how um accurate they actually were with that movie.
0: When you go to a, a, a new location and you there's expectations, right? Have you ever been somewhere where you're you're kind of it was almost like, oh man, this is not a this is not like what the pictures look like, you know, this is not what I expected of this place.
1: Egypt. Egypt. Egypt.
2: I yeah. mean, to to be fair, like obviously the antiquities are incredible mm-hmm. and um, you know, that was incredible to see, but it was um, it, you know, I get that it's a third world country, but it was just a total dump. Like there's trash everywhere, there's
1: it was like, piles it was, and
2: piles it was, of garbage. Yeah. And people are just like eating, and then they just toss their trash in the street, like it is everywhere, and like animal droppings everywhere, like it stunk. It was like probably like, one of the dirtiest, dingiest places I've ever been.
1: Like one of, one of the worst things like that will be in my mind forever is we're at the the Giza Plateau, and we are walking around the um, the Great Pyramid, and we look over, and we're like, okay, we're we're behind the Sphinx. So I start walking over towards the Sphinx and go look at that. And um, and right in between those two, there was um, you could see that there was something in the ground, like someone had dug in the ground, I was like, oh man, maybe they're excavating. Let's go check it out. And by by the time we got over there, I was like, oh, oh no. That's like a like a 30 meter pit that's completely full of just garbage and trash that people are just tossing stuff in there. And it's like that was really disheartening that you know there's not a there's not regulation to help with that. There's not, an
2: you know, there's signs like, please don't climb on the pyramids. People are climbing all over the pyramids, like hundreds of people. Yeah. And um, you know, a lot of the sites like, you know, have graffiti all over them. There's broken bottles all over the place, like in the, in the sites, like the ancient sites that you're walking through. Um, so there's really just a, a lack of respect for, you know, preserving the antiquities and, you know, for others to see and just, to preserve um for future generations.
1: Yeah, so having having the moments of seeing those and being around it and feeling that energy of the antiquities is was amazing. But then at the same time you have that that little bit of a sour taste left in your mouth because the the garbage is everywhere. The filth is just it's just everywhere.
0: Wow, I didn't even know that. I've heard uh you know, here and there that it is kind of uh you know, when you go to the pyramids, it's not like what you w- would expect, like you said. But, uh, yeah, like garbage being everywhere you, yeah. Like you said, you, you would think that they would take care of it because it's like, what, what, one of the seven wonders of the world, you know, it's like UNESCO, right? UNESCO, isn't it a protected site? I would think like they would be doing something with that, but I guess not, you know, uh, South America, your last trip was to Bolivia, that's South America or central America?
1: That's uh, South America.
0: Okay. South America, Bolivia. What other countries in South America?
1: Uh, we've been to Peru twice and Ecuador and then, I'm uh, then okay. Bel- Machu Picchu. Yeah. That was actually the first, uh, first time we went, went down to South America in 2013. Um, we did, uh, we did Machu Picchu. We did, uh, a uh, the Inca trail, like a, like a four, four or five day trek, um, from a starting point. And so that was again, camping and, uh, and being in the wilderness and being on the Inca trail and trekking all day. And that was, that was great because we went with a, uh, a really good guide and, and group. Um, they had us to where, the night before we reached Machu Picchu, we made camp to where at dawn we could we could see the sun rise into the valley where Machu Picchu is, and then walk down into Machu Picchu before um, the, the yeah before the massive flood of tourists from the, the surrounding trip. yeah from the surrounding <laughs> cities are bust in or trained in or boated in
0: boated in. Really? There's,
1: there's a river. Yeah. 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 What is that? What's that river called? Do you remember?
0: Mm -mm. I don't remember off the
1: top of my head either, but yeah, people, people take river boats and and, you know, it's, it's very, very popular site. So they, uh, I think
2: there's, I think that there's a limit on like 2,500 permits a day, but you know, that's still 2,500 people. It's quite a bit, um, to do the actual trail, I think they only allow 500 permits a day, um, including employees who are working um, with each tour guide. Like you're required to take, use a tour guide to to track the Inca Trail, um, and then, like I said, there's 2,500 day passes given for Machu Picchu a day.
0: When you got there, what did you think?
2: It was it was incredible. Yeah. And um, um, and then like. We, we had maybe like 15 minutes in there and then we had to leave and turn around and come back in through the gate with like all the rest of the people that had the day passes um and that like pretty really, pretty quickly we were ready to go like once it starts getting so packed where you're just like elbow to elbow and people you know shoving their way through it's just like all right it's time to go
1: yeah but much was was it was badass yeah it was it was a really it because they still don't know exactly how old it is, and or or who built it specifically. Like they've got really good ideas, but there's a lot of there's a lot of questions. And I mean, if you uh, if you watch Ancient Aliens, then uh,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> who has a CD too? That's though. right. <laughs> <laughs> you get lost in that show. Huh? Yeah. When, what about the Nazca lines? Did you guys go check that no,
1: out? Didn't get even, – even the second time that we went back to uh, Peru, we went back to the same mountainous area of Cusco. Um, and the Nazca lines are actually further south of even Lima. Yeah, yeah, and we haven't. We've been to Lima, but we haven't made it further south than Lima.
2: We did go to a museum where they have the Paracas skulls, which I guess was kind of a thing that they talked about on. I, did we see that on Ancient Aliens? Yeah, yeah.
1: They're like elongated <laughs> skulls that they look like alien yeah. skulls. And yeah. So they were on. Yeah. They were at the museum there in Cusco, and um, I think those were found in Nashville, weren't they? Is that right? I don't know. I don't remember that either. But um, seeing those up up close and. That was like, hmm, but from what they explained as how they happened is is a lot like, uh, I forget which African tribe it is, but they wear the rings on their neck and they stretch their necks out.
2: So they would wrap they their would, heads to, like, elongate the yeah, skulls
1: or, yeah. or whatever. Or they but, could just be aliens. Or they could
0: be aliens. I mean, <laughs> whatever you want to believe.
1: Is it possible? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Now we need that guy with the hair come out yeah, you know, in, in the Sula. show and tell us That's like, right. why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is a trip like that, the, the Machu Picchu and the Nazca lines, and then the elongated skulls, all of that is just fuels the people that believe in aliens, like deeply a hundred percent, you know, that fuels them, you know, but now the terrain, you know, you got South America, you got Europe, it's just what's harder to tr- climb. What's harder to like traverse? It, well,
1: I would say that the Andes have been um, only because of the elevation. Um, m- mountains can be difficult, no matter where you are. They're they're they are difficult. It's it's it takes a certain level of fitness, especially to with the type of treks that we're doing. Um, but it's much easier easier is the wrong word it's much more manageable to to trek these mountains and summit these mountains when the elevation is is peaking out around 4 or 5000 feet versus 17000 feet or 19000 feet we did a mountain in in um in Ecuador in 2015 called uh Cotopaxi maybe 2014 and it's the it's just just over 19000 feet and um Jen and I just, we hadn't done anything that crazy yet. And we knew that we were both athletes. We were like, we're in great shape. We can do this. We arrived in Quito. Quito is the, uh, the main city. And we were only there for two days before we made it out to where we we're going to be doing that trek. And that trek starts around one or 2 AM in the morning. And, um, so that you can, you can get onto the glacier and make it to summit, uh, before dawn, you know, or see, see, see this, um, the surrounding valley and uh at dawn and start coming down um and that one chewed us up and spit us out man like that one that was rough that was at, at the time was like that was the most difficult thing i've ever done in my entire life and um and i think we got to 17, 17 000 feet yeah. right there and that was that was kind of our cap so we still had another two thousand feet before and the sun was already starting to come up but um yeah so elevation is no joke like that's that's the one that's the that's the one that that's the the major discriminate it
2: doesn't really matter how great a shape you're in like altitude sucks Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, i guess you got to be in mountain shape i heard that that's that's difficult to get into
2: the acclimation process is just a slow process it's just taking it slow being out there for numerous days um and you know
1: being physically active while you're yeah, out I there mean,
2: being in shape no. helps but um it doesn't help with how your body acclimates to the altitude and um it just makes the actual like walking you know easier but um like actually this last time in Bolivia I noticed we had a guide and he made me go so slow and like when I get going like I'm I'm a fast walker like I just go and um like he purposely got in front of me and made me just like barely step. But then I noticed I never had any issues with altitude. And he was like, that's, it's super important. He's like, people just want to go. He goes, but, um, the slower you go, the more time that you give your body to acclimate. And, um, you know, that was something that I, I think really helped this time because I didn't have any altitude sickness issues at all. Um, I mean, I did take, um, some Diamox, which is like a, a medication to help with it. But, um, you know, I never had headaches or like, even that's even the first sign of like starting to get altitude issues is headaches. And I, you know, I never had any headaches. And, um, and it was just, I, I think it was just him forcing me to go like baby steps. Like it was just so slow going. I was like, Oh my god, i just want to get to the top. But, um, and that's part of it. Just taking it slow and acclimating.
1: There, there is a, like, there is a benefit of going to the Andes, specifically those three countries i have been to is that, um, coca tea, coca leaves, coca candy, they are, they're very easily, um, purchased and especially the coca tea and the coca leaves, they, they help you with acclimating quicker and combating altitude sickness and, uh, and things like that. So like getting off the plane, immediately getting to, you know, where we're staying in the city for that night, they'll always have some coca tea available. And then you go find like a, a, a local witch or, or native, And get a bag of coca leaves and so then you can chew on the coca leaves you know day in day in and day out um helping yourself combat that because i i don't know exactly where my cap is on where i have to be before i need to start taking some sort of medication like a diamox um because we've made it up to 17,000 multiple times now and um and i still have not had elevation sickness i don't know where my cap is and i and i attribute a lot of it to Making sure, A, I'm hydrated um, and, and drink plenty of water, but I'm um, having plenty of coca tea and, and, and always chewing on coca leaves.
0: So you just leave. got a pouch full of coca leaves? <laughs> he just yeah. like you just pounced and with the coca leaves?
1: Dude, if you see pictures of me like that, like that's a big old pouch oh, of coca leaves. So
2: in, in Peru, Ecuador, Bolivia, and what's the fourth country? There's four, Colombia. There's four countries where um, coca leaves are part of the indigenous culture, and so it's legal. Um, but don't take it anywhere, you know, outside of those four countries.
1: Yeah, like, don't, don't big, fuck, big you big
2: yeah, they'll uh, fuck you up. Big no-no. Yeah, mean, they'll fuck you up. There's it's police dogs everywhere sniffing like, all your luggage. Like, I'm like, man, this, 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 this stuff
1: is so good. Um, and but don't
2: try it. Don't try to take it out of the country. Now. No.
1: Like, <laughs> just, just like on the layover um, from Bolivia home, we had to go through Peru, and then we went through Mexico City before going to DFW. And when we got into Mexico City, every single person had their – their persons and their, their luggage
2: sniffed
1: uh, a what you had checked in, you had to take out and, uh, and recheck it in, but they had a drug dog sniffing at every single person. Um, and like the first time that we went to Peru, we had on the way home coming out of Cusco, we had a layover over in, in, in Lima um, for just I don't know, five or six hours, but we were there before the, uh, the gate opened before we, could, the or ticketing ticket counter. counter had opened. And so we had a lot of, we had hours just kind of sit there and just kind of observe everything going on. And there's like a white kid, white hippie kid, who uh who a drug dog came sniffing him and, 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 and hit
2: snatched and up, he got snatched he up by that. the
1: police and we saw him get taken into a room <laughs> and we were there for a few more hours and he never and came never. out. And I was like, That's that's locked up on abroad locked up and abroad. Like you don't want that shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the T V show right there. Hey, if if he's a hippie kid, he looks like a hippie kid, he just becomes a target, right? Exactly. That's that's why I said, So why would you look like
1: that and then Whatever you're doing, hey, may- you know what, maybe maybe he didn't have anything. And he got let go and it was a
0: misunderstanding. Guilty. Yeah.
1: I mean, hell, Jin got Jen got hemmed up by uh, TSA. Uh she spent a fight camp in Iceland in twenty seventeen and uh like a couple of weeks up there. And on her way back, she had forgotten that she had some blueberries and avocado and stuff. And TSA pulled her aside, took her into a private room and was like, Where did these come from? And like yeah, they were
2: stuck back there for like I mean, for a while, like, I was starting to get worried about making my connection. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be a big deal. Like, I just forgot that I had fresh fruits and vegetables that were from a foreign country um, when I landed at JFK. But it's like, they kept me back there so long. And I was like, shit, I'm about to miss my connecting flight to make it back to Dallas. Like, can we get this over with? And they, um, they just, they were like, okay, you know, you can't bring fruits and vegetables, you know, that are fresh from another country. And I'm like, I know, I just forgot. I'm cutting weight. Like, I just wanted to have something that I could munch on. And so they just made me like throw everything away, and then you know sent me on my way or whatever. But
0: they were yeah, they were not. That's weird. Like it's fruits and vegetables. Come on, just throw it away and let let you go on your way. It's not like you're or oh, you hiding something in the fruits and vegetables? <laughs> no, I'm like it's crazy. Uh, now, um, oh, what was I gonna go back to your saying? Oh, witches! Like, how many witches have you met throughout your travels?
1: Well especially the indigenous cultures there's there they have they still have medicine men and and shamans and, shamans and yeah sure shamans and, yeah and
2: specifically like bolivia like the area we were staying at it's kind of like a, a tourist attraction um the witch's market was very close to where we were staying and so we kind of just walked over just to see um you know lots of indigenous women sell the coca leaves and um but douglas actually just happened to find them at a wit- in the witch's market um but there was there was like dried llama fetuses and all kinds of like, just rant like potions for everything. Um, I mean, it was, it was interesting to look at, but.
0: So, yeah, those are always cool to look at, you know?
2: Yeah. Just interesting to see. Um, a couple of
0: witches in Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's the difference? Pagans.
1: Pagans. Uh, You know, it probably not too much because when I say witches, it's usually based off heathenry or paganism. And, Um, I mean, some of them have beliefs in like some of their older gods, like some, like the, the, the Nordic cultures would, you know, believe in Odin and Thor and Freya. And, you know, there's the, the the list goes on there for the Norse mythology.
2: A lot of them really just kind of have a belief with like, like a connection to the earth.
1: And that's kind of the, that's the connection between the different cultures across the world is that, that belief in the paganism, it's really more about nature. And so like, you know, in, in South America, Pachamama is a deity that you respect. She's the every, mother earth. She's she's the mother earth. And every time you go, you do anything. You go on a track, You you do anything. You especially like coca leaves. If you're gonna if you're gonna chew some, you pick out the best coca leaves and you put them on Mother Earth for Pachamama so that she gives you you know a a, a good day. And because apparently Pachamama, the deity herself, is can be very. Um, very cruel as well. And so like, like this last trip, they're like, yeah, you know, we, we, we f- firmly believe in Pachamama. And, and, you know, if we don't, if we don't have our sacrifices for her and, and things like that, like she will come and if she will sacrifice us, you know, And they,
2: they have a big like yearly, um, you know, event where the, everybody goes and brings like offerings or whatever to Pachamama on the mountain and that's supposed to like keep her happy for the years. So and there's not a lot of like mountaineering accidents and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's still a pretty strong, like cultural belief for them.
0: I'm knees deep in, in the Vikings, right? I'm like on season four or five, four, I think. And, uh, yeah, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about the Norsemen.
1: So yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of, um, we were very deep into it as well. We're, I think we're in season five right now. We, we started rewatching it and we're, we're caught up and now watching the newer episodes we hadn't seen before. But as far as the, um, accuracies go on how they believe and, and there it's, it's, it's fairly accurate. Like they, they're doing a, a really substantial job. Like I, I got really big into Norse mythology a few years ago and now I'm tatted up with runes and, and, uh, Icelandic seagulls. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm very infatuated with it, um, and I and I really like. I really have a a, a like for the Vikings and and even um, the Last Kingdom. Have you seen the Last Kingdom on uh, on Netflix? That one's good. Too. That's that's another really good one. That's it's got a lot of historical accuracies involving um, uh, England before it was England, right before it was England, and all the exactly. Norsemen, the Saxons. The dames. With the Danes and the Norse, and it's uh, it's another really really good series.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I love that stuff. Uh, did you have to lick someone's hand? <laughs> ha, no. <nope. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Is that real? Is that accurate?
1: I no, I don't know about that. It it, it could be uh, with a with like a, a seer. To, to try to get your fortune or the future told or but i i don't know i don't yeah, know that I don't. much
0: <laughs> i was like those actors had the licks on his head i was just like man that's acting right there
1: <laughs> they better be making that big out. money for that <laughs> one
0: <laughs> definitely definitely when you're buying the coca leaves in the market is there like Different. There must be different people selling different coca leaves. So it's like, how do you know who has the best coca leaves? Are they like, are they like drug dealers out there? They're like, oh, I got the best coca leaves. This is, you know, ninety nine percent coca. It's
1: it's, it's all it's, the same. Yeah. Pretty so bad. like, you can pick up a bag and like after the first, the first time being in Peru and, and having coca leaves available, um, our guy at that time his name is uh, uh Edwin chusi um, and he's still a good friend of mine. Like I've I've spent. I've sent multiple people throughout the mixed martial arts world, uh, to him doing Machu Picchu, doing Vinicunca, Rainbow Mountain and Azungate. Um, like Alima McFarlane was one of my homies that, uh, she's like, I'm, I'm in Peru. I was like, Hey, if you want to do this, I was like, hit up my boy Eddie. And, uh, you know, she's one of them and Julia, uh, Avila, her and her husband, she went down there. And, but anyways, um, Eddie told me, he's like, whenever you're doing the coca leaves, whenever you're looking at them, fill the bag. And if the the leaves are just very dry, he's like, those are too old. And so usually you want leaves that have a little bit of like, yeah, suppleness to them.
0: All right. Well, that's that's good to know. You know, if I ever go down there and want to buy some coca leaves, right? I just (laughs) want to leave them in my pocket at the airport. That's all it is.
2: You can't be getting those shitty Coca leaves.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, what about you know the ayahuasca? You know that's something that always interests me, and is pretty deep into the culture down there. Did you guys see anything, or like, did you see any shamans kind of promoting that? A, a couple of
1: You'll places, see like, yeah,
2: like um, tourist places. They'll they'll offer like ayahuasca trips. Um, most of that's done down in the Amazon, and um, you know we were. You know, we were pretty much up in the mountains. So you have to travel down to the Amazon basin um, to do a lot of that. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you see it, you see it advertised everywhere. Like all the tour agencies will um, offer ayahuasca trips, but we just, um, we just didn't have, we haven't done that.
0: That's a trip, right? Like they're offering drug trips. Like that's not something you would see like normally anywhere in the world, just that place. Right. But it's part of their culture. So you got to just respect. You know, and it must help people because a lot of people promote it outside the countries.
2: A lot yeah. of people say it helps, but um, you know, also like we always go to climb mountains and going down to the Amazon basin that requires like a number of different immunizations and like anti-malarials, and so you know, it, it's it's not kind of it's really not a last-minute thing that you should kind of decide to do because like I know a lot of places you are required to have like yellow fever vaccines and stuff if you're going to go down to the Amazon, so. Probably best to, uh, plan ahead of time
0: for that. Mm-hmm. What's in the future for you guys, the the countries that you guys want to go or the mountains that you want to climb?
2: I am like Mongolia is like huge for me. Yes, yeah, that's,
0: that's at the top of our list right now is Mongolia,
2: Mongolia, and Nepal, but both of those I feel like really need, um, maybe about a month because the countries are so big and vast and the infrastructure isn't that great. Like it's not easy to just zip around and get around. So you really need a lot of time to be able to travel and get, um, especially like Mongolia, Mongolia is huge, but there's something incredible to see like in every different region, like in the West, you have the Kazakhs and the golden eagle hunters. And then, you know, in the North, you have your indigenous people, the, the Sartans, I think I that's um, that, you know, are the nomadic reindeer um, herdsmen. And then, you know, you have the Gobi desert in the South and the central plains, you have like the seat of um, Genghis Khan's, you know, empire where he ruled so there's really just a ton to see down there um but like i said the infrastructure isn't great like getting around is difficult so you really need quite a bit of time to see that um the same with the nepal like i'd like to go trek to the himalayas um but the altitude's so great like it has to be a slow process you know for the acclimatization um those are like kind of my big two um,
1: And antarctica for me <laughs> been to six six continents and uh, I've thrown those those flying knees on six continents, so I've got a I've got to get the seventh one uh, eventually.
2: Tur- turkey is pretty high on my list. I'd like to see Turkey. Patagonia, surprisingly, we haven't been to Patagonia. That's another one that I think. I mean, it takes two or three days just to get down there, so you need, you know, a couple of weeks really to have a chance to have a good opportunity to experience it. Those are kind of my big ones. Everything else is kind of like meh.
1: We and we have we have like southeast asia on the on the list too but the more mountains that we climb i think the further down it gets the southeast asia gets put because the it's not just it's not mountainous, it's it's a lot of jungle and, and beaches and it's beautiful and it's it's relatively inexpensive to get around and to eat and, and to be be there but again whenever we're we're having these two-week trekking adventures it's like well we want to go into the mountains we want to go be away from people and, and go into nature? Yeah,
2: you know, it's kind of a, it's definitely like, um, a way for me to recharge, especially like after fight camp. Um, you know, I kind of want to just disconnect. I don't want to be on social media. Like, you know, um, I just kind of want to get away from everything and just reconnect and charge my batteries. So, um, anytime I want to, you know, we live in a big city that's busy and populated and loud. Um, so anytime we go anywhere, it's like, I want to unplug and get away from, you know, the big city. I want to be out in nature. I want to see the stars. I want to breathe fresh air. Um, you know,
0: you guys are lucky that you weren't in the mountains during when the pandemic first kicked off. You guys would have came back down and been like, what the hell is going on? Right. It would have been crazy.
1: Dude. Okay. So it, it was just now starting like China, the, the China was, was happening. Iran or Iran, um, South Italy, Korea South Korea was just now starting to happen. And so we were like, okay, it's it's going to make its way to the United States. We'll see what, let's, let's keep an eye on it. We were looking in South America. There's only one spot in Brazil had had it. And so Bolivia did not have it. And so by the time we got into Bolivia, good to go. By the time we leave Bolivia uh, a week and a half later, there was its first confirmed um, case, which was still like 12 hours across country. But within 36 hours of us leaving the country, um, Bolivia closed its borders entirely in and out. And so if you're a traveler, you can't get out, you can't get home. There's no, there's, and they're still like that right now, they're still closed down. So had our itinerary been for two days later, we likely would be talking to each other from Bolivia and, and South Korea.
0: Jesus. Jesus, <laughs> two days. Yeah, there's a lot of people yeah. stuck in countries right now that, you know, didn't make it out. And yeah. and financially, it's it's ruining a lot of people financially because they have to pay for hotels. And in some countries, the hotels are kicking people out, right? Like from foreigners. I saw
2: that in, in Yes, I saw mm-hmm. in China that they were like starting to kick people out from Africa yeah.
0: saying that, you know, they're bringing in the virus. Yeah, or, that's crazy. I'm like, Started in, china. <laughs> is, started in china come on you guys are you guys are stupid it's wild so what do you how is your guys's quarantine life right now i see you guys are still training and, and it seems like you guys can kind of go out and do things outdoors still right
2: so like all the parks and stuff um you know like the trails trails are still open um you know like the playgrounds pavilions like areas where people would gather to sit, like that's all like taped off. Um, But all the trail areas and like walking paths are still open.
1: Yes, so so, like all the parks have have said, you know, maintain your your social distancing, have respect for that. And everybody has, we've been to to a few parks around the area and um, busy. Like we went to one today and it's like, it's a Monday afternoon when everybody should be at work and the park is completely packed full of people but the parks are large enough to where you don't have to get really near anybody. So, um, other than that, like, yeah, our, our quarantining has been Jen and I and, and our dogs are our, our number one source of entertainment, our, our little,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and our, and our Malinois and they just, they go at it, but they, they require a lot of, um, exercise as well. So we're running them, you know, 25 miles a week or so and, uh, throughout the neighborhood and through parks and, and things like that. And, and then getting our own, you know, hitting mitts, cracking pads, doing kettlebell workouts and all the, all the stuff that comes, comes with staying, stay on top of, uh, our game. Um, so ours hasn't been just too crazy as far as that goes. Cause at least we have each other. Um, and we have quite a bit of a equipment at home, Yeah,
2: you know, to work out. Um, we have our dogs and we have to run them every day. So, you know, we say, we stay decently busy. I mean, it's still, you know, it's not so bad for me. I'm kind of a homebody. It's, but Doug's like a social butterfly.
1: I need people, bro. I'm
2: going to go to the grocery store. He goes to the grocery store every day. Um, And that's his like one outing a day. And he's like, I get to see other people and kind of sort of talk to people uh, from a distance and
1: got my mask on and everything. And I'm like, Hey, how's it going guys?
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. You become a regular.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Like, but, but I always am like we. We don't, have, we don't do a lot of leftovers at the house, never have. And I'm always cooking fresh. So me going to the grocery store on a daily basis has been what I've been doing for years and years and years. But now I'm really looking forward to it. I'm like, oh shit, okay, it's seven o'clock. It's, it's time to mask up and gear up and go to the grocery store and <laughs> you know talk to the workers that have known me for years and years and years.